What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it's Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on the wild, wild world of Major League Soccer, off-season nonsense, international games, CONCACAF, the whole world of soccer here in North America. So super pumped to be back talking with you guys about the past week of soccer action, because like every other week, I feel like in the off-season, it's been a crazy off-season, throw in some CONCACAF games in there, and we had a pretty wild week. So super excited to be talking about it with you guys again after talking about it with you last week, Connor, how's school going? How is the past? You're like my default. Like I always need to check on you about school because I know you have that going on. So how's school going for you? Yeah, that's always going on. Uh, never stops. Unfortunately, got an assignment due tomorrow. So I was working on that all day. Uh, so being nice and busy on that front and doing more staff graph, staff and graph stuff. And, you know, keeping busy. Friday All-Star is a thing. Uh, so shut up Fred Van Vliet because the Raptors are better than the Atlanta Hawks, if you didn't know. And interestingly, Canada is also better than the U.S. Um, but we'll get into that at some point, and they'll both agree with me because it's a factual statement at this point. But yeah. and we have stated before previously on episodes from months ago. Yes, we have uh, for good reason. But. Yeah, Josh, you're probably tired because you're getting up at 5.30 in the morning every day. So how are you doing? Because we're recording at 8 p.m. instead of 9 p.m. for once. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I had yesterday off, so I got to sleep in yesterday. And that was fun because I turned off my 5 a.m. alarm and rolled over and then woke up 10 minutes later and checked my phone and it was 9 a.m. all of a sudden. So 
that was a fun experience yesterday morning. Uh, but yeah, work's, work's been good. I'm tired just from doing a lot, but it's nice to be doing a lot. Uh, Hawks have been fun. They're playing right now. Uh, the Raptors may be better, but the Hawks will beat the league-leading Phoenix Suns. Um, and they are, well, as soon as Gallinari makes his three-pointer, they're winning right now by three points. So glorious. Uh, but yeah, the Hawks have been fun. That's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, funny thing about that, though, is, you know, a year ago, and Drew knows a lot about this, and I think, Connor, you know enough basketball to hear about it, but John Collins was like every trade rumor possible a year ago for the Hawks because he hadn't signed a long-term deal yet. He was going to be a free agent, blah, blah, blah. They finally signed him to a long year, uh, a long-term deal, five-year contract, lots of money this past off season. But then the Hawks started sucking really bad for no reason at all. Actually, no, they were just really lazy on defense, uh, but they were terrible. And once again, the John Collins trade rumors started up. The problem is my aunt just bought me a John Collins basketball Jersey like back in December before the rumors started, but it didn't ship until like this past week. So I still don't have it. And there's still a slight chance that John Collins will not be an Atlanta Hawk by the time I get my John Collins Hawks jersey. It'll be the first Hawks jersey I've ever owned. So it's a very sore spot for me right now. I don't think they'll trade him away, but if they do, I'll be, I will be devastated. Just devastated. He's but not, yeah, think, things have been good though. He's not getting traded because there's nothing he can get traded for. It would it would be ridiculous for the Hawks to trade him in the first place because he's integral to the team. But then yes, let alone for anything in return and all the deals that the 76ers tried to put together for like two players for Collins and players and like three first round draft picks. That was never going to happen. So yeah, it's been, it's been real crazy. What about Russell Westbrook? No, get that. No, I don't want that man in my team. What? <laughs> Why would we want West, Russell Westbrook when Anyeka Okungwu, the 21-year-old, can pocket that dude? Like, there, there's no reason for that. Because it's Russell Westbrook and he gets triple doubles. No, he can keep his turnovers. What, what, uh, 10 points, 10 assists, 10 turnovers? Is that a triple-double? Uh, he's so bad. He's so bad. Uh, they, they just played the Lakers and he was, you know, like, didn't do it. It's amazing to me how he it, – it's crazy. Drew, Drew, how are you? You are not in Athens this week. For weeks. I'm not. Oh my gosh! I know. Yes, I have settled. Well, not settled down because I still had to move, but I am back home in Merville slash Gainesville slash Bologna. Um, yeah, don't have school, don't have work right now, which you know the job search continues. It goes on, um, but yes, life has slowed down a lot. I'm watching the Hawks right now, currently beating the Suns. I think you're a little behind me, which is cool. But yes, what's the, what's the deficit now? Uh, it's currently I'm currently seeing the AT and T girl give kids lollipops, so I cannot tell you what the score is. Okay, I'm on the progressive commercial. I think it should be 44:39 right now. That's I think Kevin Herter or Kayvon, maybe he's a Kayvon type game. Just hit a three. Um, yes. But the Hawks back are cool. Back to back Kayvon game tonight. Uh, Football's going on. The Bengals Rams Super Bowl. That's exciting um and i think that's really all that's going on in my life and the job search continues it marches on but yeah it's been a wild week but it's been a good week and oh connor has his finger up i am like super laggy so if i say some dumb nonsense like that's why because the wi-fi here is not good but i did see your finger go up connor good that is the one thing i was gonna say through is having internet connection things um but I was only going to comment on this because I just realized 
This has just turned into the Josh, Drew, and Connor talk about other sports segment of the podcast, as opposed to how we're actually doing. Um, I I'm think that's tired. because other that's sports how determine how we're doing. Fair. My mental health yeah. that lives and dies with the Atlanta Falcons. That is not a good way to. <laughs> it's horrible. Life. It's horrible. Yeah, I don't recommend that at all. Don't recommend it. Kind of like I don't recommend um, Arsenal signing Austin Trusty for abs as their only signing in the transfer window. Because all due respect to Austin Trusty, but um, he's not exactly what they needed. Who saw this coming? No one. No one? Literally no one. No one. There were no rumors, no reports, no nothing. Well, I think I do need to add before we dive into trusty a little bit, because I think we should break it down, considering it's a MLS player going to, or another MLS player going to Arsenal. He's going to stay on loan with Colorado until the summer. Um, the big question I have, though, why? Like, why what? Just why? Why is Arsenal doing this? Why would Trusty agree to this move? Is he getting a salary bump? Just why? That, that's the part I don't understand is like, how does this help Trusty in his development? I mean, yeah, he's getting a significant pay raise. So it's impossible for him not to. But the why of it, Sam Stage will kind of hinted at it, but I, I do think this is a, just a move for Stan Kroenke, who owns both of these teams and the LA Rams, who just advanced to the Super Bowl. It's the week for Stan, man. Yeah, he's he is living. He's living the life as if he wasn't before this week um, with his like 20 sports teams that he owns across the world. But uh, yeah, I, it just feels like a weird cap maneuver for the Rapids to get an injection of GAM by making this transfer. We haven't seen anything about a transfer fee, which is also a little weird. Um, again, like the fact that there were no rumors, no like whispers about this, no nothing. And you think about how like well-connected some of the MLS journalists are guys like Tenorio and stage Cole Taylor Twelman. I mean, there's so many out there. Grant wall, like you could list off at least 15 to 20 people that could have gotten a scoop on this and no, nobody got anything on it. I mean, that just seems so strange to me. And, and like Connor mentioned, Arsenal's only signing. They, it's not like they're doing great. I mean, they're doing okay, but a team that's pushing for top four when in reality, there's only one of those four spots remaining because the top three are kind of uh, separated from the rest of the group. I just, yeah, I don't really understand this whole thing. I mean, I think the obvious thing that we talked about is Kroenke and that whole organization being connected together. So that makes sense. But I think from a Colorado perspective, I mean, this is a defense that was one of the best in the Western conference and trustee was one of the biggest parts of that defense. So you're losing a really key player for that. Now, he'll, he will be there um, for their CCL round, which starts in like about a couple of weeks. Um, and they'll be there, you know, for the first half of the MLS season. So it's not the end of the world for Colorado. I think um, they definitely still do have reinforcements at center back, but yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like you guys said, this came out of nowhere. No one really expected this whatsoever. Um, I don't know if he's even going to play in Arsenal. Like, is this just a, like, just get some good training reps against some really good players shenanigan? But 
I mean, I guess good on him. He's going to be training against some really good players, but I don't really understand it from a Colorado perspective. I don't really understand it from a trustee perspective, Arsenal perspective. So this really doesn't make a ton of sense for me. Um, but I mean, on the good side, like he's going to play this really big club that he said, like he kind of loved watching when he was a kid. So that's kind of cool. But I don't really, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me from anyone's point of view. I can't see where one side of this is coming out much better unless he surprises everyone he starts playing all the time and then you know becomes like the biggest hero in mls but i don't see anything coming out of this he's being very trusty with arsenal um hit, hit the boo hit the boo track boo. i don't have a boo unfortunately well, you should you have to boo yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i need a boo i need to get a boo uh yeah i got nothing oh i do have that was, that was a good one. That was appropriate. <laughs> yeah, so Austin Trusty's heading off to Arsenal. Uh, we'll see whether or not this comes of anything. This could just be a money laundering scheme, in which case do they face repercussions, and by they I mean Colorado uh, for this. 25% of this does go to, I believe, Philadelphia as part of the trade they made with Colorado. So they're betting fitting off of it, and I highly doubt they care. But, yeah, interesting move nonetheless. Uh, let's go next to St. Louis SC signing their first player in club history. Uh, I believe what? it's Pants. Oh. Hmm? I got confused for a second and thought we were talking about RSL, and I was like, that's not it. No, St. Louis FC, different team. Uh, Selmir Pedro? Hopefully. Who knows? Uh, I don't know anything about him. He'll. He's Bosnian. He just played against the U.S. in uh, December. Good to know. Um, he's going to be in St. Louis until 2025, their first player, and that's all I got. Anybody else got anything? It's exciting. He's a left back. Cool. First so... signing is a left back, so. That, yep. I would also just throw in, I mean, props to St. Louis SC for getting getting work done. You know, I mean, they're they're a whole year out. I mean, this, this is a, the off season before the off season that they actually will be extremely active. So, good on them for being real ahead of the curve. I, if they play their cards right, if they set themselves up for success, which by all accounts it seems like they're doing, they they will be strong from the outset once they join the league next year. Hopefully, hopefully they're not a terrible expansion team like Cincinnati was. Uh, but speaking of RSL, as Josh was getting confused in his dazed state, uh, they signed Sergio Cardova on loan from Augsburg. Interesting that Augsburg are getting rid of, I believe, a striker when they just brought in Pepe. Um but he is the first new player under RSL's new ownership. So there's that. What do we think about this deal? Do we think Cordova is going to have a huge impact on RSL? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it is funny that this kind of seems like a Pepe. When Pepe showed up, he kind of got knocked down the pecking order at Augsburg. So we came to MLS, but I mean, look at RSL, uh, Bobby Wood. I mean, Man, uh, Rubio Rubin had a really good year last year. So it seems like there's kind of some competition at the center forward spot for RSL. So I'm not really sure this guy, this just feels like a move to get 
Cardobus some playing time because he's not going to get it at Augsburg when they just spent, what, 20-something mil to get Pepe. Um, but what is exciting, I learned through my five minutes of research before we started recording, was that uh, Blitzer, the guy who's a part of the new ownership at RSL, has stake in Augsburg. So mm-hmm. similar to the Kroenke shenanigans, another thing we have here, we have the same dude, owners, different places. So a recurring theme on today's, but yeah, I think this is just a move to get Cardo some playing time if it actually works because he has some forwards he has to compete with and he's not going to make it in Germany when they just spent 20 mil on a forward from MLS nonetheless. So I think this is just a shot to get him playing time if it actually works or not, who knows, but they have depth at striker now because they have like three. So. Yeah. With Bobby Wood being the other one, um, it'll be interesting to see how RSL navigate that sort of center forward spot, especially with them losing uh, Rusnak as sort of a, attacking midfielder so maybe we see one of them drop back into sort of a number 10 role um but they are bringing in potentially maybe uh a defensive midfielder gustavo claire uh who's colombian plays for al halal i said that wrong didn't i quayar 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 okay quayar quayar Okay. We, Quayar. All right. You'd clearly know stuff about him. So Josh, tell us about Gustavo Cuellar. All right. Here's what I can dig up on him from his Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's obviously coming from all halal, but before that he played for Flamengo, which is a pretty big deal. He had 78 appearances with them over a few years. Uh, and that was when they were on the rise to becoming Copa Libertadores champions. So that's a pretty big deal. For him um he has also had 21 caps with the colombian national team over the last eight years seven years so he's definitely like not some unknown player by any means um he's currently playing with pt martinez over in all hall even though martinez has been out with a knee injury i think for a long time now and i'm sure he'll be back soon but yeah um pity is on al halal you sure i am I thought it was al nasar pretty sure uh you wow it doesn't even say it at the front of his oh yeah i'm sorry you're right he plays for al-nassar okay um al is giovinko's former team there you go that must be what i was thinking of um did recognize name for sure but anyway uh yeah so he'll be i assume he'll be fighting for starting time if not like the starter at, at, at a defensive midfield position um i do think it's just i mean this is cool to see rsl you know, the, the sale became official, what, about a month ago, maybe two months now, and all of a sudden there's already tons of activity for them. Um, so that's really exciting. And, and it's this is all part of a very new era for RSL. Like this, this is probably going to be a completely different kind of organization over the next few years. So it's all really exciting to see. And we're starting to see the first, uh, first steps towards that under this new ownership. Yeah, good to see that from RSL, who've really been counted out, I guess, for a long time. Um, and hopefully new ownership continues this trend of spending money and bring in quality players, uh, but we'll see whether or not these guys work out. Let's go next to Charlotte FC, because they made a pretty big acquisition today, apparently, not officially announced, but they're reportedly bringing in Darwin Machis, I believe is how you say it. Uh, it's going to be around a $5 million fee. He will be a DP, I believe. Uh, he's coming from Ganada, 
in the La Liga. Do either of you know anything about him? No? No, not at all. That's negative on my end. Second DP in the team. The only thing I know about him is I've used him on FIFA before. And nice. He is fairly high rated and very quick. Um, and by fairly high rated, I think like an 81. So potentially if FIFA is anything to go off of a good signing, if not, uh, he'll be fun to use in FIFA <laughs> as an ML. I think Joseph Martinez is also an 81, if that tells you anything at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Um, it sort of came out of nowhere. Odd one from Granada, considering the transfer window just closed. But, you know, you do you. Uh, keep killing it, I guess. You're playing in La Liga. What was that reaction, Josh? Did Atlanta do something? Yeah, Trey Young hit a really, really awesome three-pointer. And now the Hawks are winning again. Okay, well, I'm going to make you a little sad now because I'm going to continue talking about Atlanta and bring up... Nothing sad about either of these moves that you're about to bring up. You are not sad about George Bella leaving. No. We're upgrading to Andrew Gutman. Upgrade? Yeah. No, no, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. Gutman's right. an upgrade. What? Do ex- yeah. Do explain. Explain? He's yeah. a better player. He's older than Bella. He's more developed. He's a few years older because Bella's like 20, 21. Gutman's 24. So he's reaching the prime of his career. Now, eventually, Bella will become, ideally, miles ahead of where Gutman will, will be. But where they're at right now, in terms of players, like it's, it's Gutman, for sure. Um, so I do think it's a bit of an upgrade. Again, if we were to, if, if Atlanta was to keep Bello forever, then you know, obviously Bello is that player you go with because of his long-term potential and so on and so forth and the national team picture and all that good stuff. But yeah, in the short term, the near term, it's definitely an upgrade. But more importantly, uh, in terms of the Bello signing, I mean, this is this is the model that Atlanta is striving to be, right? It's get a homegrown player that comes through the academy. Bello was part of the first ever academy class for Atlanta United. So for him to come through the academy, play for Atlanta United to reach the first team, score a couple goals with the first team, get into the national team picture as part of the first team, and to now secure a multi-million dollar move overseas into one of the top five leagues in Europe is a big deal. And it's a success for the club. And that's the stuff that they want to do. Uh, so this is just sort of paving the way for it. So, you know, yeah, of course, as an Atlanta fan, you're a little bummed to see a player that you like go. But at the same time, like this is expected from this club. This is what they tell us that they're going to do. And so you want to see them act and, you know, keep their word essentially. And I believe the deal was around 2 million for, I think 75% of his rights. Uh, he was going to be a free agent this summer or out of contract this summer. Uh, he's going to um, Arminia Bielfield in the Bundesliga. I don't think we said that. Obviously left back. You presume he'll go in and threaten the starting spot uh, on a team that's sort of fighting relegation. Speaking of the starting left back is hurt. And then the other left back I think is also hurt. So like there's a chance he starts or plays this weekend against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And it's not necessarily by choice. It's kind of out of necessity. So that is, that is really interesting in terms of him fighting for a place. He might get a real early opportunity here. Hi kid. Good luck. You're going to go off to deal with uh, Turam and Playa and all of our fun attackers. Welcome to Germany. Here's your Jersey. Get on the field. Yeah. (laughs) Is what it feels like. Joe Scally. Well, they'll be on the opposite sides of the field, but we'll be going up against him. 
No, they'll be on the same side, right? Because left lines up against right. Yeah, but opposite in terms of attacking, defending. Although, I mean, it depends on how far up Scali gets. Yeah. Man, maybe I'll have to tune in. Yeah, you might have to watch that game. Uh, that could be an interesting U.S. national team clash. Uh, but that wasn't the only move Atlanta made. They also got rid of Ezekiel Barco, who's headed to River Plate on a one-year deal with the option to purchase. Uh, this will open, obviously, a DP spot, presumably for Tiago Almeida, who has been heavily, 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 heavily linked to a move to Atlanta. His... Bar- Barco, I want to get your thoughts on this because he's been an interesting player as a designated player. He's shown flashes of potential superstardom. Specifically, what comes to mind is at the Olympics where he, I thought he played very, very well. But then he also really, really struggled. So, Drew, I'll ask you this because we've heard a lot from Josh uh, over the last sort of couple minutes. What do you think about Barco leaving? Do you think this is ultimately going to be a good move for Atlanta, or do you think this is going to hurt them in the long run? I think this is a great move for Atlanta because Barco has been, I mean, what at the time, the largest transfer free in MLS, I think they spent around $15 million or something like that from Independiente to get him. And Josh may have a different, may have had a different kind of expectation for when Barco came on the team, but my expectation was, and I think this is also just like how Miguel Amaron's whole signing and then selling kind of created an unrealistic standard, I think, for everyone to expect this whole, like we're talking about Atlanta's model of buying players, selling players off. We expected Barco, or at least I expected Barco to kind of be like the part two of that, that Atlanta was going to buy this young player from Independiente for $15 million, sell him to... I want to say Arsenal was like a team that I kept seeing pop up around his transfers, sell him to Arsenal for 30 million, keep the process going and things like that. And ever since he came to Atlanta, he's been, I mean, he's shown glimpses, like you said, and some things just haven't gone his way. I think he played really well in the Olympics, like you said, and then he comes back to Atlanta. I think he got hurt. So he got pushed back and then he comes back healthy and he's not the same player we saw in the Olympics. So it's just been this up and down roller coaster from Barco. He hasn't been the expected player that the club spent $15 million to get. Um, so I'm not too disappointed to be losing him, especially if Almada is as good as people are saying he is, which I saw a report even today that I think was like, he's going to be in Mexico with Atlanta for like preseason training or something crazy like that. So it's like 99.9 million percent confirmed that this thing is happening. So that just opens the door for him. And obviously, you know, people are super excited about that. So I'm not disappointed about losing Barco. Um, River Plate, obviously a really big club in Argentina where he has played before. He was really good. And in Pendiente, he won Copa Sudamericano, I think, something like that. Copa Libertadores, I think, is the championship no, he su- won in Pendiente. Sudamericano. Sudamericano, crap. Uh, so that's what he won with Independiente. I think he hit the game-winning penalty kick to win that. Um, so he's won in Argentina. He's excelled in Argentina. River Plate, River Plate is a big club. I think they're replacing a player that just got sold to Man City. I totally don't know his name, but they're actually going to spend half of the year together because City bought Julian Alvarez and then they loaned him back for half the year so he can finish out in Argentina. Cool. cool. Yeah, because I feel like when I was looking at this whole thing on Twitter, for some reason, Julian Alvarez was like connected to this whole saga that if they sold Alvarez, then Barco would be bought. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, River Plate's a big club. He's excelled in Argentina. I think he'll kill it. Like you said, River Plate does have that option to buy, which I guess for Atlanta's case would be much better if they did buy him. So you don't have to worry about that whole shenanigan, having to get rid of a DP. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not too stressed about it. Like Josh said, uh, both these moves, I'm not as confident in the George Bello move as I think he is, but the Barco one for sure is not, not sweating it. Very, very thrilled to see Ezekiel moving on to River Plate. You got any thoughts, Josh? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This the whole the whole Barco, his whole time in Atlanta has just been so weird. Uh, you know, that first year getting there and not really getting acclimated, and then the off-field troubles with teammates and their partners. Um, and then, you know, just never really finding his footing until kind of this year, but even then towards the end of the year, he, he fizzled out a bit. So, yeah, like Drew said, I mean, he just never really lived up to the expectations of the supporters or the price tag, really. I mean, he's still top five incoming transfer, maybe top three at this point. Uh, and to never really turn into anything is a bit of a disappointment. He never got any accolades. He only made like the U, the 22 under 22 list uh, a couple times or something like that. And that's pretty much it. That's the extent of his time in Atlanta. He was an all-star, but we all know that's because Atlanta voted for him. Um, bye, Drew. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm disappointed as an Atlanta fan that they're not getting anything for him. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know there's like some sort of fee involved, but the fact that it's a loan with a purchase option tells you that, uh, this is not necessarily a player that strikes a lot of confidence as far as an investment goes. Um, and that is a result of his time in Atlanta, which was really up and down and inconsistent and he just never got going. So I think it's, uh, smart from River Plate to, to lead with the loan into the purchase. I am intrigued, and I kind of want to see this happen. What happens if they don't really like Barco after a year at River Plate, and they say, Atlanta, you got to take him back? <laughs> then what's going to happen? Yeah. Is Atlanta going to have to sell him somewhere for, like, pocket change? Because <laughs> th that, too, is a disappointment. You find someone else to take him on loan. You bring him back potentially maybe unload one of your other dps um i don't know that'd be there's, a situation there's a really bad situation there's a bad timeline where barco doesn't figure out a river plate and he comes back to atlanta putting that in air quotes gets loaned out again doesn't work out, comes back to it, gets a little, like just keeps getting loaned out until what his contract runs out and Atlanta can't get anything for him. That, that would be seen as, in my opinion, a, a major failure. Uh, because again, he just, there's not enough of him from the last few years to justify that price tag. If we're being honest, like there just isn't. Or even worst case scenario, they say in six months, he's not a fit and cancel his loan. And then midway through the season, Atlanta have four DPs. And they might have to buy him out if it gets that bad. And that's that's the situation that no one in MLS wants to do, unless you're FC Dallas, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think avoiding that, like the plague would be uh, ideal. Um, yeah. I don't know. This could just be such a messy, messy, messy situation. Now let's go from one potentially failed South American transfer to another potentially failed South American transfer. Douglas Costa going to the LA Galaxy from Gremio. 
You'll be the club's third DP. Uh, if you don't know who Douglas Costa is, well, frankly, you haven't been paying attention to soccer for very long because he's played for Juventus, Bayern. He has 31 caps for the Brazilian national team. He is very, very good, or he was very, very good. Josh, we were talking a little pre-show about this transfer, and you think this could go very badly. Can you explain? yeah, let me let me temper. I was being a little uh, dramatic when I said it would be a failure. Um, but I'm not, I will be honest, I'm not feeling good about this at all. Um, I probably should pull up his stats from the last few years just to give you guys some concrete numbers. But from what I was seeing, people talking about his time at Grameo, he just did not really do much. Actually, I'm looking now and he's on loan from Juventus to Grameo. So that's kind of interesting. So I guess technically Juventus should be should be selling him to the Galaxy. Well, it's going to be a loan. Yeah, so with Gremio, he's made 23 appearances and only has two goals. Um, yeah, that's not great. He is also Gremio's number 10, which is weird because Gremio is pretty good. Uh, and so for him to be their number 10 and to not have produced much, I think is a little worrisome. And he's- uh, but yeah. Uh, it doesn't say that on his Wikipedia. As if I remember correctly, it's maybe three assists, maybe four assists. Like it's just not a lot of production. Uh, and you know, to be fair, it's only twenty three games, so it's not like you know, it's it's not like he's played a ton. But that's also an issue in and of itself. That could be twenty three substitute appearances for all we know. Like yeah, yeah. That that's weird. But is that the only reason? Is just this statistic? <clears throat> As to why you think it'll be a bad transfer? I mean, the the lack of production, uh, his age as well. Not that he's old or anything, but MLS is getting younger all the time. And be, I, I'm, I say his age combined with the fact that they're using a designated player slot on him. That's the biggest thing for me. It's the combination of all, the, all of these things. Also, name a Brazilian player that has thrived in MLS. In like the last, I don't know, five years. We'll say five years. El Sino. Yes, but he's a super sub. I, I don't know. Uh, g- give me another one besides him then. I- I'll give you that. But uh, I'd say the FC Cincinnati kid, but he hasn't been. He Brenner? Hasn't been Brenner and his his three goals and his like second ever highest incoming. To be fair, you know, I think at this point, it's, it's good to give um, foreign players a year to acclimate to MLS because MLS is super unique in many aspects. So maybe Brenner will come good. But for now, first of all, MLS has never signed many Brazilian players, right? They've always tapped into Argentina a lot, Colombia even more so, Uruguay a bit too. But when it comes to Brazilian players, one, they've never bought many of those players. And then two, we haven't seen tons and tons of success from Brazilian players yet. Maybe it's a language thing, obviously here in the States. And I would assume up a, a decent bit in Canada, Spanish is a very commonly spoken language so as far as a language barrier goes it's a lot easier for players to communicate with players from argentina and colombia and uruguay whereas portuguese being the language of brazil you know how many how many guys are speaking portuguese so and language is such a big deal as far as connections too with players let alone communication but who you're friends with uh like luis arujo he's a brazilian player i would still say jury's out on him since he's only done half a year in the league but it's good for him that Mateus Rosetto at LA United is also Brazilian because immediately right there, they've got a connection with each other. Uh, I can't think of any other 
Portuguese speaking or Brazilian players with LA Galaxy. So who knows? Maybe Costa will have a difficult time. But also, you know, I'd like to think that over all these years, he's, uh, you know, learned some other languages. So maybe that's not necessarily Barry. But in general, Brazilians just haven't necessarily excelled in the way that we've seen other nationalities. So part that all those reasons is just why I'm kind of skeptical of this move. Um, but then again, I don't know. Greg Vanny's had success in terms of bringing in like big, bigger name players in the past. Don't don't give us that look. He okay. won the treble with Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, and Sebastian Jovico. Those are pretty big name players. Yes. Also, none of them are wingers. Would you like to That's tell fair. which wingers he brought in? Okay, good point. Good point. Every year it was all right, Toronto's exactly. gotta get a winger. Toronto's <laughs> gotta get a winger, and then they never got it. So yeah, you're right. You're right. That is absolutely fair. Is Kevin Cabral a winger, by the way? Uh I think he is. Yeah. And that's not good because he's a DP and he didn't have a good first year. Yeah. He doesn't have the best luck with wingers. So I don't know if I'd be using the Greg Vanny defense on the fact that he's a winger, but if anything, I can use it to support my argument that this isn't a good signing. Yeah, exactly. Um, He, it's going to be very interesting because he is on the older side and I wonder how well he'll mesh with Chicharito. Have they ever played together? Uh, I don't think so because Costa's only been with Juventus and Bayern and Shakhtar Donetsk and Chicharito was with uh, Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga and then he never played in or no that was Germany Uh, he never played in Italy I don't think so no okay okay so that's not a realistic connection but you know we'll see Uh, maybe he played or Maybe he knows Spanish and can communicate with Victor Vasquez. Um, but yeah, very interesting transfer. Another interesting transfer that came out today, although it wasn't a transfer, it was a re-signing involving Drew's favorite club, who's trying to uh, convince friend of the show, Rachel Dory, to become a fan, even though that'll never happen. The Vancouver Whitecaps re-signed Brian White to a contract extension. It's going to be through 2025 with an option for 2026. He had 12 goals, five assists in 27 appearances for Vancouver last season after being acquired from the New York Red Bulls in a trade. The reported raise is going to be 200,000 to 400,000 per season. And it could be even more with incentives. So I want to know. Drew, do you like this transfer, this transfer, this re-signing? Yeah, I think so. I think toward the end of the season, Vancouver, obviously everyone knows about kind of the hot streak they went on. And there were a lot of, you know, moving parts to that stretch um, with Ryan Gold, Brian White, and then Vanny Sartini becoming the best manager in the freaking world. Everyone loves him. And now I think everyone's really excited to see what this team can do moving forward into next season. Um, And I think a large part of that is Brian White and having him on lock for a very long time is super important for the club's future. And yeah, I really like it. I think, like you mentioned, his stats were good in the short appearances that he was playing with the Whitecaps. Um, You have 17 goal contributions and 27 appearances. That's a really good stretch to be on. And things are looking up for Vancouver. I think he's a large part of that. So I am a big fan of it. To see him for at least 
four more seasons, if my math is correct. Yeah, for at least four more seasons in Vancouver and possibly for a fifth. Um, if he can keep up anything like what we saw last season, then he'll for sure be in Vancouver for a long time. So I'm a big fan of it. Um, the production's there. I'm not too stressed about the raise um, doubling and then obviously with incentives. So I am not too obsessed. I'm upset about the extension uh, really good last year. And yeah, not a whole lot to say, but yeah. I mean, I think last year was a success. They extended Sartini from the interim position to a permanent manager like everyone thought they were going to do. And now they kind of kept that group together by extending Brian White. Uh, so I'm not upset about it. Someone here in the chat, though, is not upset about it, but does not think it would be a good move. Fellow Canadian team person, Connor, why do you not think why do you not think this is going to be a good is it because what is it about this move is it the price tag is it the number of years what is it about this is it brian white himself what don't you like about this move for vancouver it's three of those things one the price all three two the term and three I think they're paying high on a player who I think experienced a lot of short-term success last season, but I believe his expected goals and all of that stuff wasn't actually that good. Um, so I just, I think it's very risky. I think it's a move that could really bite them down the line uh, because 400,000 is quite a bit of, money that's starter caliber player and if he is more realistically the player that he was with the new york red bulls as sort of a bench option no tread lightly here why Tread lightly here because he scored at the exact same rate for red bulls as he did for vancouver he was just given more minutes in vancouver did he he did interesting everything i've seen on twitter is he's massively beating his expected goals with actual goals. And this isn't something that can keep up. He could be, but he's still scoring at the same rate. I think that per 90 basis, although he could be have, he could have been outperforming his own expected goals this entire time. But still the fact that to me, that's why I think this is a good deal is just the fact that he scored at a certain rate per 94 in New York and carried that over to Vancouver. He just got the more minutes, therefore got more goals. Interesting. And you have to wonder what this means for Lucas Cavallini too, uh, as that's two strikers. Competition is a good thing, right? Yeah. Apparently Cavallini came in to camp looking absolutely massive too. Uh, and like, he wants that starting job back, man. He wants to play in a world cup year. Hey, a good massive, not a, who is the, somebody was overweight, came into camp overweight. Who was it? I can't remember. I think it was an ant. Did happen to James Harden one time? James Harden, yeah. Not oh, is James that what we're talking about basketball? <laughs> yeah, he came in big uh, from what I've seen on Twitter. So that's very interesting. And that wasn't the only player move that Vancouver has made. Uh, they've made a couple more. First being, or I guess, yeah, first being, they just brought in, or not brought in, sold Theo Bear to Scotland for around 350000 
Uh, Drew, what do you think about Bear, who never really got an opportunity to, period, honestly, in Vancouver? Yeah, I think, you know, with Vancouver going through all this change, very interesting time with the club, Theo Bear, obviously you're getting some pretty good amount of cash for him that the club is immediately spending and making use of to add some depth in the midfield. But yeah, I mean, I think Theo Bear in that forward position is just kind of getting kind of crowded right now. He has a really big target. He's 6'4", so he's a very big, you know, kind of just target crossing the box. Hopefully he gets a head on it type thing. Um, yeah, I mean, lots going on, a lot of forwards. Obviously the Brian White extension we just talked about, we just talked about Cavallini. So that forward position kind of getting crowded. I think the midfield is just lacking some depth right now, a lot of moves going on. Um, so the Burr-Holter move, getting him to Vancouver, adding that depth, I think is much more important um, than just having another forward that you can make some cash off of, like you said. I think you said $350,000. So, yeah, I think it's just a good move. The forward spot's just pretty packed right now in Vancouver, and there are more pressing issues to it. Um, so I think it's a solid piece of business. You're selling a player you don't really need. Like you said, didn't get a shot, probably will never get his shot. And using that to other resources in the club. And hopefully, like we've talked about, a good end to last year and maybe can carry that over into this season. So I think it's a smart piece of business for the Whitecaps. Um, and I think that could carry over into good things in 2022, hopefully making a playoff, getting another playoff spot after sweeping in last season and hopefully trying to make a playoff run. Yes. And as you alluded to in your uh, discussion on Bear, they have immediately spent some of that money that they got from Bear on Sebastian Berhalter, a young center mid, Greg's son. Uh, they acquired him from Columbus Crew for $50,000 in GAM. Josh, what do you think about Berhalter ending up in Vancouver? Yeah, uh, you know, hopefully it's the, you know, good move for him. He didn't get much playing time this past season uh, for Austin FC, where he spent the season on loan. He got a few appearances with Columbus back at the MLS's back tournament uh, over the summer in 2020, uh, but didn't really factor into their playoff run towards the end of the season. Of course, we know about Aid Morris getting the start uh, for MLS Cup. And, uh, you know, with Morris getting those starts and getting the, the, the sort of starting position in midfield, there didn't leave any room for Burhalter. So that's you know, of course, why he went out to loan with Austin. So hopefully, you know, this is just a good jumpstart for his career. He's still pretty young. He's only 20 years old. Um, and so, you know, he's still got time to develop and grow and, uh, you know, improve his game. And so hopefully he can get those minutes and get that playing time in Vancouver and he can uh, further his career a bit more. Uh, but, but also I think it's a, a low risk, potentially significant reward for Vancouver. You know, only spending 50000 is is a good deal, especially on a young domestic player like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can get a decent return on that investment, uh, especially for being so low. And we'll see if we they can pair up the two American and Canadian national team children uh, because uh, Herdman's son plays for the Vancouver Academy. Um, but we shall see. Final move. We have to discuss two moves related to one club, my club, Toronto FC. Uh, we'll start off with the... Front office one, uh, Justin Morrow has been hired and it's been announced that he's been hired to join Toronto's front office. And 
personally, I just think it's a very good thing. I think having him in the organization is only beneficial for all the stuff that he does off the field and the positive impacts that he's had in the community and in MLS as a whole. So yeah, I'm just, I'm happy about it. Period. What is his role in the front office? Was that stated? Did they say what he'd be doing with the club or, or what's going on with that? It was quickly. Let me pull it up. Um, I'm also mostly asking just because I saw the headline that he joined, like I saw Toronto's announcement, but they didn't say any announcement what he was joining as, and I never ended up clicking on it. So I'm also curious. Uh, apologies if he's lagging because my computer is struggling tonight um, as Josh is talking, but uh, he'll join the Toronto FC front office as Toronto FC's technical development manager. Uh, in his role, he will assist the pathway development between the academy, TFC2, and first team through both sporting and strategic strategic initiatives. In addition, as a proven leader in the community, Moro will lead equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts in collaboration with MLSC initiatives to inspire positive and enduring social change. All great things. I think he's going to do really, really well in that role. And as I said, I'm just happy he's still with the club um, for all the positive impacts he's had off the field. That wasn't the only move they made. They finally announced the rumored trade that was going to happen. Carlos Salcedo is heading to Toronto FC from Tigres uh, in exchange for Jefferson Seteldo. Calcedo. Salcedo is a center back. He will be a DP uh, through 2024 with a 2025 club option. We don't know if he'll be a DP throughout the contract. He may be able to be bought down. We're not really sure, but it is a DP center back. So one of you, I'm not sure which one of it you it was, you did put in TFC's defense is rough. Is this going? Nope. That was true. That was me. I'm a culprit. I did it. Do you think this is going to be enough? Um, no, uh, it'll go from rad, bad to mediocre. It'll be good enough to win something because I think everything else is clicking for TFC. I think he's obviously a good player. If you spend a DP spot on a center back, which I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I don't feel like that's the most common thing in the world to use a DP spot on a center back. Um, that might be an interesting study to find out how many center backs in league history have been DPs. Um, there's the one on Seattle who Yamar, yeah, he was a DP at one point. He was perhaps yeah. at one point, but I, you know, I think this is like the first DP defender deal to have a contract that like can't be bought down by Tam because that's kind of how that one was, right? We don't, ones? No, but we don't know if it can't be bought down by Tam. Uh, Bradley has said that he didn't comment on it. Well, he didn't comment on it, but it's been reported that it wouldn't be like by stage pool, wasn't it? I wouldn't be so sure about that. I think TFC would be smart enough to set that up because if that isn't the case, then of goodbye, Josie, um, because otherwise, yeah, that's the only way it's really going to work. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they do bring in Crescito from Genoa uh, and Syria, because that's being heavily reported. And I've seen people say it's pretty much done at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's boosting that back line, and I think it's 
uh, addition by subtraction, shall we say, getting rid of Soteldo. Um, I don't think he was a good fit at all. And the fact that they even signed him was a little embarrassing. But Salcedo is a new member of Toronto FC. Let's talk about what everybody else wants to talk about after a quick ad break. All right. Where do we even begin? We don't begin. We don't begin. We never begin. You don't want to talk about it. Canada dominated the United States. And not according to Greg Berhalter, they didn't. Oh, yeah, because Greg Berhalter's opinion on that game should be taken 100% uh, for truth. Well, as both of them are distracted by something, I assume the Atlanta Hawks game. El Salvador, let's start with the U.S. We'll get you both back engaged before I talk about Canada. Beat El Salvador, one nothing, good result. Beat Honduras, 3 nothing, great result. In hypothermic conditions, in which case, in which case, in which, um, holy crap. Uh, Michael Singh on Twitter just now. Oh, God. It's going to be big Toronto news. Josie Altador is reportedly poised to join the, which club? Take a guess. Oh, is it, is is it in MLS? It sounds like it's going to be in MLS. In MLS. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. No, no, they, they already have too many people in the roster. Uh, could you tell us which conference? The East. Oh, okay. boy. He said the, so it has to have a mask. New York Red Bulls. Nope. No, he can't run anymore. The <laughs> Chicago oh. Fire? The Philadelphia Union? Nope. The Union just got a new forward, right? Oh, man. You Mascot. Mascot, mascot, Eastern Conference. They. This isn't the only TFC player they've brought in. The the New England Revolution. Holy crap! No way. What? Because they they brought in Omar Gonzalez. Oh my gosh! Oh. Bruce Arena is getting the gang back together, man. Next oh. thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, Bob Bradley's going to ship Michael off to New England. Um, that is from by the way, Mark Stein. The basketball the times reporter? guy, basketball reporter. Nice. I for love the, that he you, got that scoop. <laughs> doesn't he write for the New York Times? What is going on? This is the weirdest what transfer. <laughs> Every aspect of this transfer is so confusing. That's not even to a New York market team. Like that's so weird. The New York Times basketball reporter just broke Josie Altador to the New England Revolution. <laughs> is he not watching the Hawks beat the Suns right now? What is happening? Okay, first of all, that's got to be a buyout. There's no way they acquired him. You don't think so? I doubt it. What would they give up? I don't know. It also depends on, like, salary, because I can't imagine New England would want to take his salary. Do they have Right, it probably is a buyout. Does New England have 3D people? (laughs) They got Carlos Hill, Buxa, and Bo. Is Buxa a DP? Remember, Buxa has been getting interest and offers, and it kind of sounds like New England is expecting to move him. Is this a Buxa replacement? <laughs> oh, no. That can make a little bit of sense. You lose Matt Turner, Tejum Cannon, and you're replacing Buxa with Josie Altador. 
this is absurd. And this I'm, is the worst offseason in history, man. They went from winning the Shield to oh, no. Assembling an older version of the U.S. Men's National Team. Gosh. As a lifelong New England Revolution fan, I cannot stand for this. <laughs> I'm going to take my fandom to a real team. Like the Vancouver Whitecaps, who know how to sign center forwards. I this is ridiculous. Okay, time is a flat circle. <laughs> let's get back on track after that bomb. Um, the U.S. Speaking of U.S. players, defeated El Salvador and Honduras three nothing. Two Honduran players had hypothermia. That basically tells you how that game went. Um, Canada. Defeated Honduras, defeated El Salvador. Both games, 2-0. Then they play each other on Sunday. Canada beats the U.S. 2-0. First, I want both of your initial reactions. What did you think of that game? What could the U.S. have done better? What did they do wrong? Just break it down for me. Yeah, I, first and foremost, I did not get to watch this game, so I'm coming to you from a highlight perspective. Um, I don't get it. I think it was on Telemundo or something like that, and the Wi-Fi in my house does not allow Paramount Plus, so that was depressing. But, yeah, from seeing highlights, seeing takes on Twitter, watching, you know, just watching the whole nine yards, taking it all the soccer media, it seemed like Canada, and I even think Josh said this, in last week's episode because a lot of people expect, I think Canada was the favorite to win this game. Canada is the best team in the region. We've said that multiple times. So I don't think, you know, this game seems to be getting a lot of interest from just like mainstream sports media. Like I saw Stephen A. Smith talking about this game and I think it was what, since like 1980, this is the first time that Canada beat the U S in a world cup qualifier. So when you say that, about Canada because Canada soccer isn't this, you know, giant that most sports fans in the U S you know, think of Mexico as, or something like that. And a lot of soccer fans don't tune into this team unless it comes to the world cup. So a lot of mainstream sports media is kind of losing their minds. Like, Oh no, they lost to Canada. We're not going to qualify for the world cup again, but in reality, Canada is the best team in the region and has some of the best players in their region. Um, so not too upset as far as that goes, but I think it seemed like the U.S. had its moments looking at highlights, and Canada also had its moments, but Canada just took advantage of those moments. Like I think Josh mentioned last week, Canada is going to play very opportunistic. When they get their chances, they're going to convert them. First chance came in the, what was it, sixth, seventh minute, bad goal kick. They put it away. You know, they make you pay for it. That's what good teams do. You make a mistake, they make you pay for it. Um, and in that case, I've seen people blaming Matt Turner for a bad goal kick. I've seen people blaming the midfield because there was a gap the size of Texas that he could just run into. You have Giassi Zardes like coming back all the way trying to receive the goal kick. So there's a lot of blame going on. But at the end of the day, I mean, the the team made a mistake. Canada made him pay for it. And the second goal, I mean, I think the U.S. is just fighting for their lives, trying to grab the equalizer. Canada gets them. Um, so the U.S. had its moments, I think. And but Canada had, you know, they took advantage of it. That's what good teams do. And when they're the best team in the region at home, uh, that's a pretty hard place to win. Currently undefeated, 
in World Cup qualifying. I think like that hasn't been done for a very long time. So for it to happen at all is pretty special. And for it to be Canada, I'm um, trying to make its first World Cup in my lifetime and all of our lifetimes, even though Josh is a geezer on the podcast, he still hasn't seen it. Um, so yeah, pretty special run from Canada. Um, I mean, they're the best team in the region. They had their chances and they took advantage of it. So, I mean, a lot, I think most people expect a Canada to win. So Canada to win. So I'm not too, not too bummed about it. Why you got to do Josh so dirty like that? <laughs> I'm only 26 hey guys. Only 26. <laughs> I'm really not that old. You're not five years older than me. <laughs> Josh, I want to get your thoughts because you have a lot of opinions on this game and sort of the reaction to it, uh, specifically Berhalter decisions and fan reactions and all that stuff. So break it down. What were your big issues with the U.S. game and sort of that reaction to losing to Canada? You know, that's the thing. I actually didn't have many issues with the U.S. at all. I thought they played really well, all things considered. My biggest issue with them is that they let Canada like they I'm just going to say, I don't know if you have to bleep this out, but they let Canada shit house them. Like it's not a secret at this point that Canada is the best shit housing team in CONCACAF. It's not a secret. They are, they get into the heads of the Mexican players. They get into the heads of the, like all, all the teams that they face. I have to jump in here. Follow up tweet from Mark Stein. Oh God. Uh, Altador 32 and the revolution have been progressing toward a, how long deal? Five, five year. No, not that bad. Three, three year deal. Wow, we have a 37 a, year old, just Altador running around Foxborough, Massachusetts. He'd be 35. Um, but oh, I suck at math. Oh gosh. That was really bad. Drew. That was uh, really okay. Josh, sorry. I just had to jump in there because woof. it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I was saying, I mean, I didn't think, uh, the U S played poorly or anything. Um, yeah, again, my only issue is that they just didn't match Canada's physicality from a, from a shithousing perspective, from an actual like physical gameplay perspective. I thought the U S was okay. Uh, they didn't do anything spectacular, but it's not like Canada outplayed them, like played them off the field or anything. Oh God. I don't even know. Like there's just so much to, <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the U S fans for a second. They're stupid. Okay. They're really <laughs> stupid. Um, how can you don't go from, it, don't sugarcoat. <laughs> how can you go from in November drooling over Greg Berhalter and his system peaking against Mexico, right? Because that's what happened. The U S played a, Fantastic game against Mexico. They played them off the field, right? Dosa Serodum. How can you praise this man and then turn around two months later, two, one game later, only one game occurred between the Mexico game and the Canada game, mind you, in the qualification process, right? Or maybe two games, but either way. Um, and then how can you, you know, I don't necessarily think people are Burhalter out because that would be stupid at this point, but they are just so upset with him. They're like, furious and sad and i i just don't get it like don't get me wrong burhalter's system has definitely been um you know it sort of inhibits the team at times i think but also the players after the game they owned it themselves they're like we did not play as progressive as we should have and 
they did not play progressive enough. There was they cycled the ball so many times it was infuriating to watch. But that's not on Burhalter. Now, is it a byproduct of his system and how detail oriented is? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'll give you that. Now, on the flip side, Burhalter saying that he thought they matched Canada's physicality and he thought that they, you know, outplayed him or whatever it was he said, that's delusional. And I don't think he should have said that to the media. I understand where he's coming from and I understand what point he's trying to make. But at the end of the day, that, that, that wasn't it, right? Like that just wasn't it. Now, from an objective sense, the only reason Canada won this game is because they won the two most pivotal moments on the field. It was the goal in the seventh minute that Drew was talking about when Matt Turner made the mistake of not pushing the team up the field. He played a bad ball through the air. And then uh, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards did not get set properly. Robinson almost fell over on the play. All right, even that in and of itself is kind of a freak accident, by the way, because there are not many times that Miles Robinson gets turned and loses his balance all in the same play. So that was the first moment. And then the second moment was when, is it Borjan? Is that how you say his name? Borjan? Uh, Borjan. Borjan. Yeah, Milan Borjan. 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 Milan Borjan made one of the best saves I have ever seen in my life. There are not many keepers on this planet that can deny a Weston McKinney header like he did. and. That was it. That was the game. After he made that save, there was no chance of the U.S. coming back because at that point, Canada could play the game the way they wanted to, and that was sitting back, absorbing a tiny bit of pressure, but constantly making the U.S. afraid of getting hit on transition because that's what Canada does. So I don't know. Like That, that part of it is just so, so frustrating. Burhalter is doing fine as a coach. Now the U S is not qualified yet. And so I don't think we can for sure say that this has necessarily been a success uh, in terms of hiring Burhalter and his entire plan, but for people to be freaking out so much, is just so childish, like just grow up already. It's not that big a deal. And that's the other thing we've been saying that Canada is the best team. It's not the U S's fault. It's not the U S men's national team's fault that their fans have been lazy and haven't been paying attention to what else is going on in the region. Because if you've watched even five minutes of a Canada national team game since World Cup qualifying has started, then you would know that they're easily the best team in the region. So it's all just so frustrating to me. And yeah, I mean, Canada deserved to win the game. They were the better team. Again, they won the moments that they needed to win. That's all they needed to do to, to, to get the victory, to get the three points. And, and the whole Stephen A. Smith thing, that's also frustrating because he's just reacting based off a score and off of a couple of highlights of goals. Whereas if, again, if you watch the game, the U.S. did not play poorly by any means. They were slow and passive at times for sure. And again, they made the mistakes that led to it. They did not have a bad game. They just didn't. They played pretty well. And, and I thought there were a lot of passing moves to where they kind of put Canada on the back foot. They outshot Canada significantly. That was another uh, another point of, of, of importance. The first half, the U.S. outshot Canada 7-2, to two, but Canada made one of those shots into a goal, and the U.S. could not find a goal. So it just is what it is, but people freaking out the way they are, it's just uh, it's really silly to me. I've got to ask, because this is sort of the thing that was, A, used on one of the Toronto newspapers. Oh, I'm sorry, but Trey Young is unconscious. That was awesome. He's unconscious. That was insane. What I just witnessed is unreal, and the Atlanta Hawks are about to beat the league the league's best Phoenix Suns. Like this is they just. They tried to I, blow it. They tried to blow it, but Trey. I told y'all, told y'all at the beginning of this episode that the Hawks were going to win this game, and here we are. 
All right. Uh, that scared the <laughs> crap out of me, first of all. Um, second of all, what did you think about Par- Paul Ariel's bicycle attempt? That was sick. That made me freak out. That, that If that had gone in, like that would have been just amazing, just fantastic. And it probably would have salvaged a point. Potentially. Uh, I think the Toronto... Oh, yes. Also worth mentioning that the Toronto goal happened when Chris Richards was off the field. So they did it up a man and it was a goal in transition, which Canada was capable of scoring anyway when the U S was a full team. So I don't like to count that second goal just by the way. As much as I like to think Toronto was all of Canada. I hate to break it to you, Josh, but it isn't. Um, What did I say? Did I just say Toronto? Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Canada, Canada. Um, the game wasn't even played in Toronto, but it was played in the same province as Toronto. Yes, it was. There you go. Um, yeah, it was played in Hamilton, which is Milan Borian's hometown, even though he was born in Yugoslavia. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just a good game from Canada. I thought they really handled the match well. Um, Chris Richards getting injured was really unfortunate, although I always hate when you don't leave one substitute as sort of injury prevention. Um, so, you know, uh, I think that's sort of a little bit on Burhalter. If it were my managing style, I would always leave somebody open to potentially be there in the event of an injury. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully they get back to fitness for the March window. Uh, they should, because it's only what a month, two months away almost. So you hope they're back. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Uh, yes, actually, I do have something I want to ask quickly. Uh, and this will be the last thing. I want both of you to grade Canada and the U.S.'s performance. It performances on a no, not a number, a letter scale from F to A. Across the whole window? Yes, the whole window. All right, well, Canada won is easy. It's an A+. plus. They got nine points from three games, and they won every single game 2-0. That means they increased their goal differential by six. And they're already done playing the U.S. and Mexico, so they're pretty much, you know, yeah. They're pretty much in. Pretty much. I think they're guaranteed a playoff spot, so uh, they're basically going to Qatar. What about the U.S.? We're all agreement Canada A+. What about the U.S.? I have a grade in my mind, but I, I want to know what Drew thinks. So, I will say my grade and give my justification for it. I'm going to say a B minus. Dang because, it. That's, I, that's exactly what I'm, I'm <laughs> Because I think, so like we were talking about before, Canada, if you, I mean, when what well, last week we were making predictions about the Canada game and I think I picked a 2-2 draw and I think you guys picked a Canada win losing to Canada was very much a reasonable expectation, a draw. If you'd said the U S is going to get seven points out of this window, two wins, and they're going to go to Canada and draw. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So losing to Canada wasn't this unexpected upset. Like I think a lot of people are making it out to be. Um, so I'm not, you know, but they got the home wins when they needed it. They needed a big win in the ridiculously cold temperatures they got it thanks to set pieces so they got the job done but it was not a phenomenal performance a phenomenal performance would have been going to hamilton and beating canada 
but it wasn't a terrible performance. A terrible performance would have been dropping points in one of those two home games. So it's not a C performance because I think a C performance would have been dropping points as the Atlanta Hawks beat the best team in the league. Um, a C performance would have been dropping points and an A plus performance would have been winning nine. So B is like the definition of eight straight versus Phoenix. Wow. The Hawks might be the best team in the league. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, they are. So it Hawks, Hawks, 2022 champs, uh, very mediocre performance, very fine, not terrible. If Greg Berhalter went to his mom and said, Hey, this is what I did. She'd be like, okay, that's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. Some of the stuff he did might have been terrible, but the performance was fine. I'll take it. They're almost qualified, and that's all we want. Objectively, taking six points from a World Cup qualifying window is solid, and losing on the road to the best team in the region is not embarrassing by any means. And again, I reiterate, they played well. The scoreline, not exactly flattering, and Canada won their moments. So, yeah, B-minus for me. I If... if if the U.S. had lost 2 nothing and been played off the field, I would probably rate it a C of some kind, maybe even down to a D. Uh, also, because they did struggle just a little bit against uh, El Salvador in that first game and only managed to get one. Well, I say struggled. I mean, in a scoreline sense, they played well. You look at the expected goals and it was nowhere near close um, to what the scoreline said. But yeah, I think B minus is respectable. Again, objectively, six points, good. Losing on the road to the best team in the region, that's – that happens. Like that happens. I think if you told, if you'd say the U S lost to nothing to the best team in the region, most sports fans would think that's fine, but they haven't equated that the best team in the region is Canada. I think that's where the weird hiccup is. Like right now, if you'd say they lost two Oh to Mexico, most fans of Stephen A. Smith of the world would be like, okay, that's fine. They went to Mexico and lost two nil. But the fact that it's Canada, I think is the reason this uproar is happening on Twitter. And because men's national team Twitter is a weird hellscape that no one should ever want to go to. So I think we've agreed Canada a plus I'm going to put it at an a because they did struggle a little bit about against El Salvador as well. Um, US B minus and US men's national team fans F minus. Anybody have anything else they want to add before we take off and let Josh go to bed? Is F minus a real thing? I hope not. Go Hawks. That's yeah. the only thing I have to add. Hawks and seven. Hawks and seven. We'll see if they Hawks, can. Hawks over the Lakers, by the way. All right. I, I predicted that okay. weeks ago. I'll dig up the tweet when it comes true. We also just had Fabrizio Romano tweet out that the Douglas Costa deal is indeed done, and he'll be joining on one from Juventus, uh, and contract paperwork has all been agreed to. Drew, take us out of this wonderful, wonderful episode. Yes, thank you guys, as always, so much for listening. We really appreciate it um, as we get you caught up on the wild world of MLS, CONCACAF, and everything. The season is not far away. CONCACAF Champions League is right around the corner, less than two weeks away in the regular season. is officially less than a month away. I think kickoff is late this month, so we are super excited about that. So very soon we'll be able to talk about actual soccer that's happening and not just transfers. So 
super excited about that. And thank you all so much for listening. As always, follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex to see stories as they get posted. You can find ourselves at Twitter, my myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland to see our tweets about how the Hawks are going to be the Lakers in the NBA finals and things like that. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. Be sure to visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com to see all of our awesome writers written content across various teams around the league. So thank you guys again so much for listening. We really do appreciate it and be sure to tune in next week because we will surely have a crazy week of soccer to talk about transfers and things like that. So tune in next week and we will talk to you then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.